you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast. At Mastermind Parenting, we're on a mission to support strong-willed kids and the families that love them. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the show. Well, today I have a very exciting collaborative team ready to talk to you about all the things. The Parenting with Impact Podcast is hosted by Elaine Taylor Klaus, am I saying your last mm-hmm. name? And That's Diane right. Dempster, co-creators of impactparents.com, an online community, award-winning blog and service organization helping parents all over the world guiding complex kids to become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teaching you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrating how coaching can empower you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. So welcome to the show. I think we are going to have a really, I mean, I know this is going to be fun for me because it sounds like you guys speak my language. So yeah. And hopefully all the listeners are going to love being a fly on the wall of that conversation because I think we are definitely, um, my, my hunch is that we are passionate about the same things and, um, and we just want to help people. We just want to help people. We want to support people. We want to support parents in supporting their kids. So their kids, I love what you said, like, right? Like we want them to grow up to be independent, confident, calm, healthy humans. And yeah. that's what we're all, all about. So um, with their self-esteem yeah. intact, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. we want them to grow up with a strong self-concept and belief in who they are and what they're capable of. Yes. Yeah, I mean that's what to me that's the definition. It's like what is this whole thing all about this? It's like this journey is about becoming healthier humans ourselves because unfortunately I feel I don't know if I'm speaking for everyone but I feel like I'm never done. I'm like no. Are you freaking Never done. Are you freaking kidding me? I'm unlocking <laughs> the next level of the video game. I thought I was like about to win this thing. <laughs> Well, and the thing is that we get so caught up in the day-to-day, you know, it's like we get so caught up in the grades and the chores and the stuff that's going on. We lose track of the fact that this is really about the long game. This is really about helping our kids understand themselves. It's about our own journey and how we're showing up as humans and as parents. And really keeping our eye on that long-term ball can really make a difference. Yeah. You know, what I've heard myself saying to my to clients and groups lately is that 
it's all about being on our journey, which is to support them on their journey Mm -hmm. and to understand them well enough to, to enroll them in wanting to take ownership of themselves so that they can live their journey. Mm. But we have to accept that this is our journey. And if we have complex kids, that makes our journey a little more complicated so that it's not about them living what we think they should live. It's about our journey is to kind of support them in figuring out what their journey is. Yeah, And I think that's hard for a lot of parents to get their head around. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like giving up the fantasy of Mm -hmm. the delusional fantasy of what we, you know, and it's interesting whether it's parenting or whatever the child, you know, if you were given, if you were given the gift of a complex, yes, a complex child, (laughs) whatever it, like my brother-in-law recently um, had a fall and, and has a brain injury, you know, he's recovering from a brain injury and, Mm -hmm. um, and my brother was saying, this is so terrible. It's, this is just the worst thing ever. And they don't have children, right? And so th- he said, this is the worst thing I've ever been through. And mm. I said, I said, here's the thing. I said, it sucks where you are right now. Just like it sucks when you're in the middle of, okay, my child is not doing what the other kids are doing at the birthday party or it, you know, whatever it is, okay? Preschool or right, yeah, whatever. Whenever yep. you get the memo that your kid seems like they're the only one doing yep. the wrong thing or the different thing, and it freaking blows when you are in the midst of that and figuring it out before you figured it out. Just like right now, like healing, you know, my brother-in-law. And I said, but if you think about it. There has never been a book or a movie or a story that was like the person was born, their life was perfect, and then they died. Like, right. it'd be boring. It'd be so boring. Like, we all have a hero's journey, and this is part of yours. And I know it just, it's like at least identifying. It doesn't mean that it's going to make the suckage less sucky when you're in the <laughs> middle of it, right? But it, at least I think understanding, oh, that was a delusional fantasy that I was going to have a child. They were going to be born with all the skills and all the gifts, and they were just going to make all the friends and be, you know, they were going to star in that old school ABC after school special. And then you have to remind yourself, like, we all hate Cobra Kai. You know, we're rooting, we're, we're not, we're rooting for the bad news bears. Like, why did we forget that? Why did, you know? Well, and I guess I just want to, you use the word like delusional and I, and I don't want to make us wrong for it because it's so human and so normal. And it's what we all do because we want predictability. We want, you know, we want things to feel familiar. And when something suddenly shocks us out of it and we've got a kid who doesn't fit in the way we thought that they were going to fit in then it rocks us and we, we've got to do something about that, something with that in our head. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so here's what's coming up as I'm hearing what you're saying, Randy, is, is you know that, that parable or the story for, that we, I learned about the, the stallion story in positive intelligence, and there are a million manifestations of who's to say, is it good or bad? Right. Mm, yeah. It's the worst thing that's ever happened. And, you know, the story is the stallion's leg got broken or the person's leg got broken and then he wasn't taken off to war. And then this happened. And then it, this. So so we have this tendency to to judge our circumstances mm-hmm. in that moment 
as good or bad, right or wrong, instead of seeing it as part of the process, the journey, the adventure, the, you know, uh, the, the, another freaking learning opportunity, right? <laughs> you know, whatever it is, but, and it's that assessment of it. That's really the problem mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because like life is about taking what comes at us and figuring out how to navigate it. Yeah. 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 And that's why I say, I think parenting, especially when you're given a strong willed or a complex child is mm-hmm. the ultimate personal development self-help yes. journey, right? And a daily process in learning to let go. Yeah. <laughs> Every day you have to learn to let go. Well, yeah. And I, I just said to a mom the other day, I was like, here's the thing. And I I think I heard Eckhart Tolle say this one time. If you're parenting either a young child who lives in their emotional brain the majority of the time, and so they're going to test and challenge you, or a child that is one of these complex or strong-willed um, canaries in the coal mines, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, we think they're yeah. the problem, but really they're just alerting us that there's problems that are far mm-hmm. bigger and they're just here to alert us. Like, yeah, status quo isn't going to work anymore. We all have to yeah. change and we all have to learn new things. Um, you know, it, 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 it's interesting because I think that, I think that we fight with, um, like, wait, this is just too hard. This is, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to, I don't want to, yeah. this, this, and, and when we can understand that this is just part of the process and mm-hmm. no one ever grows, the butterfly never emerges out of the chrysalis unless it experiences struggle. That's yeah. just the bottom line. If you cut that chrysalis open, the butterfly is going to die because it needs it needs to build up its strength by trying to get out. If anybody's ever, I remember buying one of those kits years ago for my mm-hmm. kids and it's like, I saw it in there and the fixer in me just wanted to cut it open. I was like, why can't we just cut that thing open with a knife and let it go? It's like, it wants to get out. It's ready to be free. But if we had it would have died. You need the struggle to have the strength to take flight. How different would humankind be if we knew that struggle was part of the process and not something that's supposed to be avoided? That's right. Well, we do know, but we don't want it in the future, in the present space, right? We can look back to the past or we can future trip, right? And catastrophize forward what it might be. And, and it's, it's, I can deal with the past and the present. And I think a lot of us live in the past and the present and past and the future. future. And, and it's the present of it. That's so hard to be with. I mean, the, the term that came to me, Randy, as you were saying that was it's effortful Mm. and effortful can be hard, particularly for people, you know, in our world, people, when we look at complex kids and adults, it's often, there's something neurological underlying going on. Um, and oftentimes complex kids have complex parents, mm-hmm. right? So when we're struggling with executive function issues or delays or those kinds of things, effort is an issue we don't really talk about a lot. But if I have to put the effort into working a little harder or reading the menu or making a decision, and that, and that it takes more effort for me to do than for other people, at some point, I'm like, I'm out of spoons. I'm done. Yep. I just can't put any more effort in today. 
Yeah. And what happens is that we create this story of what life's supposed to be like. I'm not supposed to have to do that. I'm not supposed to have to take that extra step. I'm not. and Or it's not supposed to be that hard. Yeah, mm. exactly. And then we end up fighting our reality. <clears throat> and it's the fighting the reality that ends up being the thing that causes us the stress and not the actual reality itself. Yeah. Right. 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 I mean, it's so it's so true. It's like parenting these kids is harder. I mean, it is. It is. It is. Unequivocally. It is. I have two kids who are not complex or strong-willed, and I have one that is. It Ooh. was a lot harder parenting my one that is. And, um, and it just, you know, and we all benefited, including his siblings, yeah. Because of that struggle, like I would, I would say, if I had had just an Avery and a Corey, and not an Alec, I would they they wouldn't be the Avery and the Corey that they are today, right? Like, mm-hmm. so he has called us all to more, and yeah. and so you know, it's just it's just part of each of our stories. And when I, I think when we make peace with that, it 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 changes it changes how we look at it. I agree with that 100%. And I want to, if I may, if I want to speak to another experience, because you've got one complex kid, I've got three. Mm. And a lot of people in our community have have multiple complex kids. Mm-hmm. And there is this other side of the coin, because I, I couldn't agree with you more. We are all better. Our entire family is better because my eldest was so complex that it called us all forth. Mm. And what I hear from parents sometimes, I was just talking to a mom yesterday, a client, is is that when there's one kid who's particularly challenging, other kids don't sometimes don't get the recognition, acknowledgement, attention they need. And so very often when we're working with one with a parent around one kid and we finally kind of get that kid going, all of a sudden issues for a next kid that were never identified or never diagnosed or never hmm. addressed come to the surface because that kid's been behaving in a way to make it okay for the rest of the family. So I want to just call that out, speaking to your (laughs) dynamic, but when you've got multiple kids, sometimes one kid becomes so complicated that the other kids, the, the, it takes a little time to see the whole dynamic. Well, I see that all the time as well. And, and I think therapists have called this like there's the identified patient yes right it's a great language right. for it, yeah. yeah and then once you know and i see that it's like once the kid is the strong-willed one is out of that defensive place and and on a better path yes then all the time i hear that from parents where they're like what's going on my easy kid is now being hard exactly yeah. Right. Well, you know, Rick Lavoie said once years ago, the greasy, the greasy, the squeaky the wheel gets, gets the grease squeeze. because they're the one that needs the grease. Yeah. Yep. Right. And so sometimes it's it weird. It's family. crazy though how the other. It's like it fascinates me because the kid, the little kids, you know, or the siblings of the of the most complex kid, right, or the most strong willed kid they don't consciously know what's going on, but it's, it seems like it's like primal where Mm. it's like, they know they can't throw something more at you right now. Like it's almost like they're looking at, 
you know, mom or dad as the pack leader. And it's like, well, I better just figure my shit out because she's got bigger fish to fry over there. And then once that, once that seems like that's going well, then they're like, okay, now I can, you know, like now it's finally safe to act like a lunatic myself. And, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. just like, it's like, what is happening here? Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. It really is. It's mm-hmm. an interesting dynamic. And, and I see that it, it fluctuates a lot. Um, you know, I, this, the same mom I was talking to yesterday said, you know, I spent too much time on this one kid. And, and, and so I kind of pushed back a little, a little bit, like too much. Yeah. And kind of because we have that tendency to then judge ourselves. Well, if I missed that, like we have somebody who works with us, one of the coaches on our team who is an expert specifically in ADHD and has five kids and one of her kids was not diagnosed till very late teenage mm-hmm. years and she was beating herself up mm. because she missed it you know quote unquote but the truth is that it manif- it didn't it wasn't a problem until it was a problem that manifests yeah. well and i kind of see the other side of it too is that it's this sort of pattern we're sitting there we're looking for it right it's just sort of oh my gosh is that it is that it you know it's like parents all the time will say I'm worried about my, my, the next kid or the next kid instead of kind of just letting the kid be where they are. And yeah, they may need help, but you know, let's not worry about, you know, being overexcited about figuring out exactly what's going on until we need yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we only have so much bandwidth and it's, yes. you know, and, 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 <laughs> and it's so interesting. It's like, like kids are such mirrors and they're such experts on us that, I feel like it's like they know, you know, it's like they know when they have, you know, when you're constantly putting out fires with one kid, it's like the other kids know, like it would, you know, it might cause you just to combust. And so they just wait and hold out. Well, I want to kind of segue into, I want to hear more about your stories. Like, so I just learned, Elaine, that you have three kids. And Diane, I would love to know, like, what brought you to do this? You know, to, yeah. Yeah. Well, and our stories are really similar and different all at the same time. I was going to say, and not. Right. So I am uh, a theoretically neurotypical adult. And I was blessed with um, two complex kids by birth and a third complex kid, um, my stepson as well. And um, when I can first, I pause you? Can I pause you for a second? Yeah. Will you just define complex kids? Yeah, go ahead, Elaine. I I often define it as complex kids are kids who struggle with life, learning, behavior, or some complex some combination of the three. Mm. That that they're not hitting expected or typical milestones in in one or more of those those three areas. And and the other way I often describe it is is. If you have a complex kid, you know exactly what we're talking about. And if you don't, you're asking the question. <laughs> okay, got it. Well, and a lot of the the official diagnoses are, um, you know, ADHD, anxiety, autism, autism, two E, depression. You know, gifted, all, twice yeah, exceptional, those sorts of things. Plus learning disabilities. Anyway, things. long story short, I'm executive function mom, and everyone else was kind of struggling, and I knew that their brain worked different than me, but I didn't know kind of how to help them. And I found Mm -hmm. myself frustrated more than I wanted to be. I'm a recovering yelling mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I became a coach as a second career, I started using the tools I was learning and the whole dynamic in our family changed. 
And then I met Elaine and she had a similar story. Um, but um, different, but different. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so my, my background is that I have, I do have three complex kids. My eldest was particularly complex and, um, and I was really struggling. I would call myself lost mom or maxed out mom. And I wasn't yelling. Uh, there was yelling in the house, but it wasn't me. <laughs> but I, I just wasn't coping very well. And on the outside, I looked like I had it all together, you know, like the house and the kids and the, you know, like it looked great to the outside world. And the inside, I felt like it was a, a house of cards. And it was, mm. you know, it was, it was just always on edge and things were never going quite as well. And I could never, and I was, I think I was trying so hard to get my eldest kid to fit into the expected norms. And, you know, I came from what I called the achievement elite. We all went to good schools, we're well-educated. And this kid, as bright as they were, just wasn't hitting the metrics and wasn't fitting, fitting the mold. And um, a lot of things happened on our journey that changed that, um, a, a nutritional change that was dramatic, uh, a number of diagnoses that led to that. Um, but somewhere in that process, two things happened. One is I was heading back to graduate school to get a PhD because I really wanted to work with other parents and support parents who were as lost as I was. And I couldn't find a schedule, a, a program that met my schedule with three small kids. Mm. And so somebody suggested, why don't you go to coaching school and start with that and then see where it goes. So I was doing coaching as a stopgap measure. But in order to do all of that, because I thought I was going to graduate school and I knew I needed to take the GREs, I had myself evaluated. By that point, I had three kids who had been diagnosed like dominoes. And it's like, my husband can't be responsible for all of this neurology. Mm -hmm. So I had myself evaluated. And at 40-something years old, I was diagnosed with, with I had been, realized I had been undiagnosed with both learning and attention issues. Mm. And it was pretty profound. I mean, my whole life started to make sense. I began to see why I had made decisions I had made, how I had accommodated for myself. Um, and so when I got to coaching that first afternoon, I called my husband in tears like, oh my God, I found it. This is it. And I knew I had found this way of being in the world that was in alignment with who I am. And there was a skill set and tools and concepts. There was there was a framework I could learn to apply this. Um, and so I dove in headfirst. And, um, you know, I've been coaching for a couple of years by the time I met Diane. And when we met each other, what we discovered was that we both had this experience of when we became coaches, we became significantly better parents. And it wasn't rocket science. We could teach it. But we also had, um, there were two other things. One, we both came from a national framework. So she had worked for Kaiser. I had worked for Planned Parenthood Federation of America. So both of us had a national healthcare perspective on the world. And, um, and we discovered that it worked for her and it worked for me and she was neurotypical and I wasn't. Mm. And that was really important. We knew that, that this could really reach a broader audience of parents because it wasn't just something that was support, that was effective for, for the get it done moms it worked for the lost moms like me too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Y'all are so lucky to have found each other. Oh my gosh. So lucky. We have unbelievably complementary skills and um, yeah, we were really lucky. We, we knew we wanted, we, what we were going to do a, a 
We were going to start by just doing a workshop or a (laughs) webinar here. We both live um, in Atlanta, in the Atlanta metro area, and we were just going to do a workshop. And then I think both of us, because we come from public health background, went, wait a second, there's There's, a gap here, right? And when we first started this, there was a lot of support out there for kids who are struggling. We started, our business was started as Impact ADHD, and we've since then expanded to be Impact Parents. But there was so much energy focused on helping the kids, but nothing, very little supporting the parents, particularly beyond basic education of here's what's going on with your kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we said, let's fill that gap. We both needed that support when we were parenting um, in different ways, but in similar ways. And that's really how we got started with Impact Parents. And we knew the coaching helped. So well, but within the first year, we were like, we had an, a des- an award as an innovative program and all this stuff. And like, we didn't set out to do it. It just mm-hmm. kind of unfolded to meet the need. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, you know, I think it's, it's so interesting because like I have a lot of parents in my community and my mastermind community um, are medical healthcare professionals. Yeah, so do we. We do too. Uh, right? So like yeah. pediatricians, nurse practitioners, therapists. Um, yes, therapists. So yep. they, <laughs> it's like yep. what we were all looking for and couldn't find and then went and created. Yeah. Um they know that you know because you're a medical professional and when you have a child that you're that's, you know, you're scratching your head thinking something's going on here. And, Mm -hmm. um, and they tell me, they're like, I went to all my colleagues, no one was able to help me. Right. So, so they, so they know there's a gap in our system that I think that you guys and me are fulfilling. Agreed. Well, and there's a, there's a, the gap is not just in, I mean, because as professionals, they may be able to identify what's going on, but that doesn't mean they know what to do about it. Yeah. Yeah. And what I think coaching offers, which is why what all of us have been doing has been so successful these years, is that we're not handing the parents a solution and saying, here, do this. We're bringing them through the process of learning how to figure it out. Yep. And so it's a process-oriented approach to problem-solving instead of a solution-oriented approach. And all the research out there is on solutions. Here, let's give the parents a reward chart. That'll fix it, right? But if if the parent doesn't understand what the purpose is, what they're trying to achieve, how to get a kid to to work with them and how to collaborate with a kid to create a reward system that works, then it's as effective as a piece of paper. Well, and part of it is a challenge we have um, in our medical model is yeah. that, you know, it's like, I've got a problem. I'm going to fix it. I got a problem. I got to fix it. And, I, and how many parents come to us and they're like, I got to fix this thing that's going on with my kids. And mm-hmm. we know that these, these kids are just, they're, they're kids and this is how their brain is working and helping to honor that and to nurture that and identify their strengths and to support them instead of trying to fix it changes the vibe and the work that mm-hmm. we're doing as parents and turns it upside down, really. Yeah. Yeah, I la- I, I want to talk. I think that coaching, right? Like you guys said something to me before we started recording. And I always say to all of the parents that I work with, I'm like, my ultimate job is to coach myself out of a job, right? Yes. Yeah. And 
And, and I think as parents, that is our job too, is to, is to coach ourselves out of a job because before you know it, when you show up in that above the line coaching place and that role, right? Above the line of consciousness, consciousness, I think, um, that term is, is becoming more mainstream above the line, below the line. When we're below mm-hmm. the line, that's when we come up well, that's when we're the authoritarian punishment. Like how can I bribe the people? What kind of a reward? And what, what, what is the consequence? Meaning what really is the punishment? punishment you know, how do right. I, how do I control all the people and fix the issues? And that below the line place is never going to support your kids in becoming their own coaches ultimately, right? We want them to become effective problem solvers in life. And if if we're constantly telling them what to do, we're never giving them the opportunity to learn how to navigate themselves and their brains, whatever that is, whether that's because there's a neurological issue or because they're strong-willed and an Enneagram 8 or because, you know, whatever it is that defines who they are and what they're bringing to the world, the process of navigating self is what it's all about. You started off earlier saying, you know, I'm, I'm still a work in progress. Damn it, I'm still a work in progress. And, and that's the piece that I think, there, it's not a destination. There's no there there. And so when we can be in in relationship with our kids consciously and with ourselves as parents in relationship to our kids. When we can think in terms of collaboration, we often talk about it, we, we call it the coach approach, right? And we talk about it in terms of, we don't want you to become your parent, your kid's coach because we want you to be their parent. Yeah. But we want you to be able to take a coach-like approach as a parent because a coach-like approach is empowering yeah. and it fosters independence and it, and it inspires people to overcome obstacles and it inspires a sense of agency. And so the opportunity that I think we have as parents, and that's, that's the beauty of the work all three of us get to do in the world, is to invite and enroll parents to to see their capacity in fostering the agency of these amazing young people. And that's a huge gift. And it and I think when you're in overwhelm operating from an outdated <laughs> model, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the way we were all conditioned was not this, you know, conscious growth mindset, let's, you know, (laughs) coach approach. I love that term. Uh, Like that is not what's going to come online when we have a kid that's, that's behaving in a way where they seem like they're out of their mind or, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're in public and all the other parents are looking at you because they are (laughs) right. Right. Well, I think a lot of times they are because I think that yeah. There is a lot of judgment when when you have a kid that's exploding at Target because, you know, they <laughs> just want, because why can't I have it? And it's, you know, like that feels mortifying. And or when you get the call from school where your kid was under the desk growling at their teacher, right? <laughs> because right. They, because they have undiagnosed dysgraphia, right? right? They, yeah. And this little first grader. It, it, during journal time, 
all of a sudden, <laughs> right? Great example. I mean, and and you get the call from the principal that your kid was acting like a caged animal and threatening to bite their teacher. Like, <laughs> let's like that is mortifying, yeah. right? And so you know, when parents come to you or when they come to me and they're dealing with that, I mean, we're talking about somebody who is in overwhelm and yeah. they, and you know, and so that's where I feel like the coaching process and when you have never received coaching in your life, um, you don't realize how supportive and wonderful it, you know, to get that kind of support when you're in that state and you don't know who to turn to and you feel like you're being judged all over the place, to have people that are going to show up and help you through that yeah. process, right? Like there's so much I feel that is, you know, it's like, it's nurturing. One of my moms who is like a Texas gal and she lives out, you know, in the outskirts of Houston and she's got lots of animals and she's like, Randy Rubenstein, I just love how sometimes you give me a spanking, but it feels like a hug. And, and it's like, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and I'm like, because it has to be nurturing and also skill building, right? Randy Rubenstein, and this is the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where I share tips on how to solve any parenting problem. If you're in an absolute parenting shitstorm right now, I gotcha. Do this now. Go to our website at mastermindparenting.com and click on the live assessment button where you can schedule a live call to discuss your issue. My team is going to point you in the right direction, match you up with the best resource because we've been where you are and know that you want the tools that work ASAP. Don't worry, we got you. You can also go to mastermindparenting.com forward slash live dash assessment. That's live dash assessment. Get on our calendar right away. You will hook up with a live person to begin helping you immediately. So I had this beautiful opportunity last year to learn from a guy named Jim Selman, who's one of the OGs of coaching. He's like brought coaching to the workplace in the 80s. And and what he was talking about, I love what you're speaking to, because what he was talking about is is the value of a coach is, is that classic coach holds up the mirror. But the coach helps you see perspectives that you couldn't otherwise see for yourself. A coach will help you see something you can't see because of the perspective you're in and to offer different lenses or perspectives for you to see yourself and and to see the possibility for yourself that you may not be able to see by yourself. That's right. And going back to what you were saying, Randy, about overwhelm, when we're in a place of overwhelm, we've only got that one like narrow, we're shut down. The blinders go on and we're like, this is all we can see. This is terrible. I've got to fix this. I'm being judged. And so sometimes having an outsider who can come in and say, yeah, that's what's going on right now. And it can be better. Or yeah, you can do something about it. Or create the space for you to even pause long enough to process. Mm. Yeah. Right. When we're, when we're walking around as parents in constant trigger state, constantly amygdala hijacked, right? We're not 
we're not in a place where we're using the more more creative, complex parts of our brains. We're locked in flight or flight or freeze a lot. Yeah. And so whether it's overwhelm or frustration or anger or resentment, it, it prevents us actually from using our whole brain mm. to respond to what's going on and leads us to only react because all the brain can do when you're coming from that triggered space. I always point to the back of my head because that's, you know, the amygdala hijack. All you can do is react from there. Yeah. And so inviting the possibility of learning how to slow things down enough to respond is it's exciting, but it's also scary because the notion of slowing things down feels hard for parents because you know, I got to keep going. I got to get through it. I got to, I got to handle it. She's screaming in the aisles, right? You got to stop it. <laughs> well, and I think stop. that's why, like, I, 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 I didn't really understand, you know, how sometimes it's just like you do things because intuitively mm. you're just, you know, I'm a rebel tendency. So I, it would never have worked for me to, um, just, learn a traditional approach and have no space to have my own positive spin or to have my own spin on it. Right. right. Totally. And, and, and so something that I've done for a long time is I teach, you know, in my coaching process and it's hard to teach because I've had lots of people over the years, um, ask if I would train them as a mastermind parenting coach. And, um, and I've, I, there was an occupational therapist who I love, who was very aligned with me, and she worked with me as a coach for a while. It's very hard to teach my process in the way that I do it. Like I'm like, well, you have to do it your way. Like we're, I think yes. we're all meant to do it to bring our own spin because my way is. I, there's a lot of showmanship in the way I coach people. I use a lot. I'm an Enneagram seven, and. Right. I am like, I'm like, I'm like, wait, do we have to grow up at some point? I, you know, like (laughs) I have a little bit of that. I never want to grow up. And so I teach through story and I coach involving story and, um, and, and there's, there's something that happens that now I can kind of identify it. When I share a story that in some way is 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 in some way my I, I think it's like my brain doesn't even process it. it's like my body is called to share some story and what i'm really doing is this parent who just went through this mortifying experience who is having that amygdala hijack right when i share a story and and all of a sudden we might be laughing a little bit mm-hmm. and they're like oh what I think that does is it helps someone to get out of their own blind spot and Mm -hmm. then they can connect the dots where they're not the only one who's dealt with something. Even if the story isn't the exact same thing, it might be a story about me and my husband or me from, you know, and, and a friend, whatever it is, but there's something about the power of story that I think helps people to all of a sudden feel like, oh, I'm not the only one who deals with these things and that's just empathy. And now all of a sudden you have the person moving up in their brain and they're going into that problem solving place. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's huge what you're, what you're speaking to. And and the other thing that comes to me about it is that, you know, as parents, very often we get caught in, here's the lesson I want you to learn. 
Yeah. Right. But when you tell a story, then then you allow someone to take the lesson that they have to learn from it. That's right. And it may not be at the all same lesson. the lesson yeah, you thought right. you wanted them to get. And you got to let go of that. And it, when training coaches, it's the same. And we we have been, I think, really successful in over the years in in training uh, other people to teach this curriculum and to and to coach our community with us. And but at first we met with a lot of resistance. Some of the early people didn't stay along because they wanted to do it exactly how we did it. And our whole thing was, no, you have to make this yours. Because if you don't make it yours, it won't have that authenticity. I so agree with, I feel like, like that's the thing I think the mainstream public doesn't fully understand about coaching. Like coaching is a creative career right? Mm-hmm. Like you form. can, right. It is an art form because you learn a curriculum and you are, you have to bring your own flavor and your own sense of playfulness to mm-hmm. that curriculum. Right. And so it's like, if you were to just learn, this is the framework, this is exactly how we do things. And there was no individuality in it. I I just don't think that would be effective coaching. I think it mm-hmm. has to like the person has to be um, trained as a coach in a way that um, that that allows them to tap into their own unique special flavor of coaching. Right. So every coach, yeah. there's not going to be any coach that is the exact same and is for, you know, I've had lots of people over the years, like, just teach me how to do it. And I'm like, but here's the thing. The people that I'm meant to help are different. Like there's plenty of people who are not going to be my people. They like, I might yeah. annoy them. I say, you know, too much. My stories go on and on. They're like, get to the freaking point already. Are you kidding me? You know, and <laughs> well, those are the people for you, right? Well, and Randy, let's take it back to what we were saying earlier about um, parenting, right? It's this sort of, there's not a right way to do this. You've got to figure out your own way of doing this, your own mm-hmm. flavor of doing this and partnering with a coach to figure out how do I take the approach and some of the strategies and ideas and put it into who I am, into my own family dynamic, into my own goal is how I want to show up as a human and my kids goal of how do they want to be as humans and how I want, you know, it's like, how do I want to raise these beautiful humans? And so we make it our own instead of saying, okay, if this happens, this is what you do. And I think that that's, what's beautiful about what we're all teaching is, Make this your own and figure this out. Elaine, what are you going to add? Yeah. Well, what you're speaking to really, it's about the being, not the doing. Yeah. It's who do we want to be as a parent? Who do we want to invite our kids to be as they learn themselves instead of so much focus on, well, did you do this? Did you do this? Are you doing this? Like at some point you can do everything all day long, but if you're not like, if you're not being with it. It just feels robotic. That's why, you know, we've had this conversation in, in a mastermind that I'm part of. Um, I, I really am not worried about AI and coaching because, me neither. you know, artificial Mm-mm. intelligence is never going to replace the presence that, that any of the three of us can bring when a client comes and, and needs, needs a space to process and have a conversation with themselves mm-hmm. about figuring out how they want to be with something. And then what they want to do with that. That's well, our job. And I feel like, yeah, that's a, it, it's exactly right. And I feel like, 
you know, it's just like, would you ever sign your kid up for a gymnastics class without a coach in charge or soccer team (laughs) without a coach? Like this whole idea, like my real goal is that every single parent is going to know that this is their, like, I think every single parent feels like raising their kids is their most important job. It's like Mm -hmm. the ultimate equalizer. I have, you know, stay at home moms and I have high level executives. It Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Right. right. We're all speaking the same language and we all just want our kids. We don't want to screw up our most important job, which is raising healthy humans. And and so we all want to get that right. And and I feel like you would never, ever think that your kid, if your kid came to you and said, I want to be an amazing uh, like my niece, my seven year old niece. She's like doing gymnastics all the time when she comes over. She's like, I am going to the Olympics. If your seven-year-old is like, I want to go to the Olympics, you're going to um, sign them up for lessons with a coach. Anything. <laughs> I mean, you're going to be like, absolutely. We will We will sign you up and you can go to practice and you can practice your skills and we're going to get you really amazing coaching. Why on earth as parents would we think that we should come to this brand new thing when we have kids and think we're just going to nail it? without like it's it's the landing yes (laughs) and we think that we should have to i mean there's so much shame around not doing it right or that you know i'm supposed to know how to be a good we're asking for help yeah yeah that's true i think it's i think it's also it's like as i was just talking with a mom recently she was talking about oh she's planning her son's bar mitzvah and she all of a sudden is it's coming up and she's like all of a sudden panicking about all these like minor details and we were talking about it and I was like, okay, this is normal. And I think you have to also understand this is societal. Like as women, you know, it's like, you should just know how to be an amazing mother and raise, like you should know how to do all the things. You should also know how to, you know, throw a proper dinner party and a party and be an amazing host. And like, and so I think that's why so many of us are like, I don't want to, I don't want to have anyone over. I don't know how to do, like, I'm not even sure exactly what freaking fork I'm supposed to use. And I'm always looking around, (laughs) like no matter how much, you know, I learned that. I, I don't remember all of the right ways to do things. And so I think we put pressure on ourselves, at, but also it's societal pressure that, yeah. you know, your value is connected in how, how you, how you host other people. Performance is the word that's yes. coming up to me, right? Yes. Our, as women, we are, we are judged by our performance, by our kids' performance. And if they're doing well, that's a that's reflection right. on us. And if they're not, that's a reflection on us. And, and we have a hard time separating that they are separate individual human being that's, they're not actually a reflection or an an extension of us, but the world wants it to be that way. Yeah. You were making me think about that old commercial. Remember I can um, bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan, pan. right? Yeah. Like just that is is the paradigm, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Perfume commercial, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, ridiculous. And then all of a sudden, you're given this kid that won't just do the freaking thing to make you look good and feel good (laughs) and feel like you're nailing it. And it's super triggering. And then you find yourself as, you know, Diane, 
you're not a yeller. I'm sure you weren't screaming your head off like a lunatic at your friends. You were probably like the supportive, <laughs> lovely person. And then, right? And then we find ourselves being that person. We're like, who am I? How did this happen? How did yeah. I get here? Yeah. And how do I get out of this place? Because it's, it's, it doesn't feel like not, me. yeah, it doesn't. And I think that's, that's <clears throat> it. It's that, you know, we've kind of touched around, but let's, let's call it, there's an authenticity mm-hmm. that, that gets lost when we step into the, to the role of, of, of partner or parent or whatever it is that we, we forget to bring our whole selves into it. <laughs> well, I a hundred percent agree with that. And I, you know, it's interesting. Like that's been part of, I, I haven't, known exactly how to pinpoint it but i'm like here's this thing this parenting thing it's the mm-hmm. ultimate equalizer and even people who don't have kids they were a kid like everyone is affected by parenting has had that experience yeah and yet we think we need to talk about it all in a very clinical buttoned <laughs> up way and and not and, and and not to just be regular people. We don't bring that authenticity. Like all of a sudden when we're talking about the children and the parenting, we need to use our fanciest words. And it's like, what the fuck? We are all just <laughs> regular people. Like we have to bring our real selves. And our kids are like these amazing little wizards. And they they can they call us out on our bullshit all the time right, right? where they're like yeah. you know my parents tell me this like when they start to learn the new tools and they want to say things exactly like me and yeah. i'm like okay so at first that's fine and 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 then you're going to you're going to infuse your own language into this but if this is how you need to practice practice it like that but when you start using your own spin that's when we know you're mastering it and exactly. the kids will look at them and they're like what are you saying what what does that even mean? <laughs> I'm like your kids your kids don't speak my shtick. They speak your shtick. So please start using your own language cuz they're on to you, right? So many things are coming up with what you're saying. One is I we had a therapist once that we were working with this a couple a couple decades ago who said to us um parenting is damage control. It's not whether you're going to screw them up. You are. It's just how quickly you recognize that and you can kind of rectify it and and minimize the damage. And that was from a, you know, leading psychiatrist, you know, thought leader guy. So there's that. That's one thing. I Well, you know, my my whole thing is, is absolutely. The thing is, we don't have to wait for our kids to become adults and then come back and say, I've been, I've been holding this in for, you know, for however many years, years, right. For 35 years. I'm like, I'm like, you want to know, like my, my kids, especially my daughter, who's now 21. She loves to tell me, she's like, remember when you sent me to that camp and I didn't want to go. I'm like, well, that was a terrible idea. She's like, yeah, it was, it was like a month of hell. I'm like, yeah, that was a bad choice. She's like, yeah, it was. I'm like, okay, that's done. Like yeah, it, <laughs> my, my next book, I really, I, I probably won't write it, but I joke. My next book is going to be my kids are all in their twenties. They're all in therapy and it's all my fault. Yeah. And my, my eldest child said to me recently, you know, mom, I'm, I'm pushing 30. <laughs> you better write that book. <laughs> I always say, but I think the goal is, is for your kids to become young adults and to know they are worthy of yes. going to therapy. 
and be because, able to work for themselves, right? Yeah. Because yeah. everybody's going to have stuff. It's yeah. just part of the human experience. Again, back to the hero's journey. We all have our own hero's journey. There was never a life. There's never going to be a story that was interesting if it was just like it was perfect. But I will tell you about four years ago. So my husband's also a coach. So we've both been on this journey. And my eldest was about 12, I think, ish when we started. And so about three or four years ago, all three of our kids came to us one summer, different places. They were living in different places. And they all came to us and said, thanks for becoming a coach. Mm. And it was the most gratifying summer of love, right? It was, it was a moment in time. I'm sure they've all forgotten it. But each in their different experiences of life were able to see in their dynamics with their peers what they had learned and the emotional intelligence that they had gained from being raised in an environment where parents weren't just directing them around, but their parents were actually enrolling them in the process. And if they decided not to go to the eighth grade dance, they were going to know why they didn't go to the eighth grade dance, you know? Um, and so I do think that there's something about this work that, that is about elevating the next generation. Mm. That's about enrolling the next generation in a different way of being, with their consciousness about about life and living this next generation coming up is gonna turn us all on our heads in a lot of ways and and this framework that we're all bringing to the world is part of that for Mm. sure that is so beautiful and speaks to me on so many levels and i really think it's like it is what we're supposed to be doing it's called Mm -hmm. evolution like yeah like god willing then our kids are going to do it better than we did and so on and so on and so on. Like that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. 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 This is so good. Okay. So the last topic that I would love to briefly touch on, you guys have been so generous with your time um, before we wrap up is tell me about complex kids who are now na- and families who are supporting complex kids who are now going through the process of I don't even know the proper PC way to refer to it, but they're changing their pronouns, right? So gender gender issues, okay, gender yeah. and, and sexuality issues. Um, so we call them queer and quirky kids. Mm-hmm. Um, for Love those of you it. listening, queer has been a term that in our generation growing up was was a deeply maligned term, and this generation has reclaimed it as a, as like a term it. of empowerment. They really like it. So, <laughs> so hear me when I say I'm not slurring anyone when I use the word queer. This is a request from this generation um, and from this community. My kids were just telling me last night it used it's LGBTQIA plus plus. Now they're saying it's LGBTQ. So I'm like, please. So whatever. I don't know what they call it. But um, I think what we're seeing a lot in in the world that we're in now is more and more kids. It's very common for kids in the complex world to to be more likely to also be dealing with underlying gender issues. Um, And it's complicated. And there's a huge backlash. They just passed a terrible law in the state of Georgia. It was just signed yesterday. Hmm. Um, there's some terrible laws in Tennessee. So there's a big backlash against it. But there is definitely a higher incidence of, of uh, gender-related differences in 
the population of kids with neurological differences. And that's not to say that it's causal. It's just there's a, there is a higher relevance or, or correlation. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you add, Diane? Or is there anything specific? I don't no, know. I wasn't what, sure, Randy, what you were address. looking for. I mean, I think that yeah. it's a lot of times parents will see these kids as complex kids. And I think that that's really what we want underneath it is, is for parents to say, wow, this is, this is a kid who's struggling, or this is a kid who's trying to figure themselves out. How do I support this kid? Regardless of what the thing is that's going on for them is this sort of, how do we support them? Well, and so so here's another thing I want to share. So I have, I have three kids who are all what I would call gender nonconforming, all queer and quirky. Um, Not necessarily queer doesn't mean gay, right? Uh, But my eldest is, is trans non-binary and they didn't come out till their twenties. But in hindsight, we can look back their whole life and see it. But, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't even know what that, I didn't, I had to look up the term Mm -hmm. to know what it was, you know, five, seven years ago, whenever it was when they came out. And, um, so for a lot of our kids, there's kind of layers of things that have shifted in the last 10, 15 years. So part of it is there's an awareness of these issues that we didn't really know existed. So when you had a kid who we used to call them tomboys, right? Mm. Or, or, you know, a kid who might, a boy who might have been more effeminate. We're now understanding that there's an underlying feeling of gender difference that those kids have that, that I think 20 years ago, we didn't know to give them space for it. Mm. So I would have, I would have said my kid was a tomboy, that they might turn out to be gay. They wore lots of baggy oversized clothes. They didn't want to wear girls clothes. Um, And they were so ADD off the charts that it was just, I just kind of figured they needed to move and they need, they connected with the other boys because it wasn't as hard socially as as a dynamic as it was to, to try to stand still on a playground, listening to the girls talk about stuff they just couldn't be with that so some of it is related to to other proclivities um but i i do think that that when we pay attention now with a new lens we can we can see our kids will tell us what's going on with them if we listen Mm. and if we listen without judging it or correcting it or redirecting it and i i cannot say that i'm proud of every conversation i had and of, of every way that I responded when, when our kid came to us with different issues over the years, I made a lot of mistakes in how I responded. And I can, I can say, you know, forgive me. I didn't know. And that doesn't, and what my kid has said to me is just because you did your best doesn't mean it didn't have an impact on me. Mm. And, and we've now been able to have some of those very difficult conversations, you know, with them as an adult. But I guess the message I want to I want to share with people is slow down and listen. Your kids will tell you what they need to tell you if you are open to hearing what they want to tell you, mm. and if they feel safe enough to tell you what's going on with them. Well, and if they're not, then that's the opportunity and the indication that you have to go back and build that trust and build that relationship. Yeah. And that's such an important foundation to this is how do I create an environment where my kid can tell me what's going on with them? Yeah. Even if they don't know, you don't have to have an answer, but I'm feeling this or I'm struggling with that. Or, you know, as I say, I look back in hindsight and it's like, how did I miss it? Mm -hmm. 
but I didn't know it existed. I mean, the, another thing, you know, in our complex world, um, the, the diagnostic manual changed in 2013. So there were all these kids that we're seeing now who are finally being do- diagnosed with autism, who we didn't know it, it existed because before 2013, a provider had to make a choice between ADHD and autism, and they were not allowed to diagnose both. Mm. So there were all these kids that were diagnosed with ADHD where the autism was missed because a choice had to be made, and that's mm-hmm. no longer the case. So this stuff is all evolving, and as we understand more, it's almost like we have to give ourselves permission to to forgive ourselves for what we've done in the past, to be present to where it is now, and to to listen and be open to do it differently moving forward. Because mm-hmm. we can woulda, coulda, shoulda all day long. And I could ask myself, how did I miss that with a judgment? Or I can ask myself, huh, how did I miss that? And what's there to learn from that moving forward without judgment of self? I just love what you just said. You know, I just feel like complex kids, but it's also complex parenting. Yes. Right? And, and, And when you're dealing with... It just sucks when you feel like, who do I even <laughs> right? turn to to help yeah. me with this? Like, not only am I dealing with a very complex situation, I don't even know who I can go to for support. And so I love what you just shared because I feel like anyone listening who starts to sense that there that that those issues might be happening in their family, um, just to know that like there are people like you guys out there who have literally walked through this experience. Like you are that big sister person who mm. also has the coaching skills that they can turn to for a resource. And, um, and I mean, doesn't it feel amazing to know that like you can provide that to people, maybe something that you couldn't find for yourself and now you get to pay it forward every day. Every single day, at some point, I will say to Diane or my husband or somebody, it's like, I love what I get to do in the world. I, mm-hmm. I cannot believe how privileged and grateful I am that we found each other, Diane and I, and that we've been able to create what we've created mm-hmm. in the world. It's, it blows me away, truly. It's so it's just so beautiful. And it also makes me believe in humanity because mm. in this yeah. dog-eat-dog world, like for those of us who have created the thing that we couldn't, the support thing that we couldn't find in our yeah. own lives. Like my husband looked at me, you know, many years ago and when I was starting this business and I, who was I to start a business? I didn't right. know any of the things and you. he, and I was working all the time and he's like, what's your goal here? Like, like, are you trying to make a bunch of money? Like what, like what exactly is, and I was like, we figured something out. It is selfish not to share it. Right. Right. Like, like, like you forget because we're now where we are, Mm -hmm. but you forget what it was like to be the parent of a seven-year-old Alec. You forget what it was like when we were all going out to dinner and then he was like, I hate that place. I'm not going. I won't eat. I'm not getting out of the car. Like you forget now because you, you know, it's like, it's like birth amnesia. (laughs) And, and so I was like, it feels, there's something in me that feels like I have 
to share this thing. I don't even know exactly what this thing is, but I'm going to figure it out. And it sounds like you feel, you guys feel the same. Yeah. I like to say motherhood is the necessity of invention. Mm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like all of us, when we, when you have the kind of motherhood experience we had, we had to come up with a way to be with it that worked. And I'm thousand percent with you, like to not share it is, is like, it's, that's not what it's about. It's not why we're here. Right. We got to pay right. it forward. Yeah. Um, in a, in, in beautiful ways. I mean, when Diane and I started, one of the things we were really committed to was we, we knew this coaching thing worked. We knew it was effective. So we wanted to bring it out in a way that was as affordable and accessible as possible. We never wanted anybody who couldn't, we didn't want money to ever stand in the way of somebody learning the coach approach if they wanted to. So a huge amount of what we do is free. We have blogs and podcasts and you know webinars and all this stuff we do for free because we want people to be able to get to it at whatever level. And of course, we want them to invest in themselves and to step into programs and training and coaching because we know that takes it to the next level. But wherever people are, this work that you do, that we do, it's, it's, it's open, it's accessible, and it changes lives, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, we're so aligned. That's exactly the reason I started the podcast too, against all my advisors four and a half years ago. And I said, this coaching thing that has changed my life and changed the trajectory of my children's lives, it is not just for people who can afford to pay. Like if I can, if I can, you know, if I can share, share you know, even little bits and pieces with people and they are going to listen to the podcast and they're going to integrate the things they learn about into their life. Beautiful, right? Right. Beautiful. Okay. So how do people get in touch with you and any final words that you want to share with the listeners? Well, so there's a free tip sheet that I think is going to end up in the show notes. So definitely check that out. It's one of our favorite tip sheets about um, supporting complex kids. It's called, if you go to impactparents.com slash mastermind parenting, we've got a free gift for you. Wonderful. And that's 12 key coaching tips for, for parents of complex kids. Um, and as you know, like, like we've just said, and what you've said, there are a lot of resources, our podcast, Parenting with Impact, our website, um, again, impactparents.com. And then if you do mastermind parenting, um, I think what's most important is, is I want to invite parents who are listening to ask for the help you need, wherever that is, right? I mean, Randy, what you do is gorgeous and delicious. And um, and I've really enjoyed getting to know you and look forward to collaborating more. Same. And, and you know, you, every parent out there, there are people out there who can support you if you give yourself permission to ask for the help you want and need. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. Well, and part of that is not judging yourself for the way you've been showing up up until now or not yeah. getting it perfect or not knowing the answers. I mean, I think that that's set, we were talking about that earlier. It's like we're so wired to think we're supposed to be able to get this and, mm-hmm. um, and we don't and that's okay. And there are lots of ways to approach this parenting thing and getting help is a great way to move yourself to a new, a new place. If you're feeling like you're stuck one Mm. step at a time. Yeah. Being human is messy business. 
and we're all just doing the best we can to figure it out. And we're all on our own hero's journey. So um, this was such a great conversation. I've loved getting to connect with the two of you and I hope to keep in touch too. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening today, guys. I hope you picked up some tips, tools, maybe some baby steps for creating more balance and boundaries in your life. And I just wanted to let you know, if you want to continue moving the needle forward in creating this for yourself, having a happier household, I want you to go to my website and check out mastermindparenting.com. We have three beginning programs. And if you need some accountability and more support, then please look for the one that would be a good fit for you. Um, And as always, we're on all the social channels under Mastermind Parenting. On Instagram, it's Mastermind underscore Parenting. Um, And, you know, periodically I do pop up on different Instagram lives, Facebook lives, where I give you teaching and coaching. And I love engaging with you live to help you help your strong-willed kids so that they can feel better because when they feel better, they do better. And um, I love, love, love getting to know you guys. So thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Super, super appreciative.